0: Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. As a Christ centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platt County High School in Platt City, Missouri.
1: We had the opportunity to go to, to Bethel House of Prayer. Hey, I, don't, I don't know why I keep these keys on here. Emma. Hold on to those for me. Um, we went to uh, Bethel House of Prayer this Thursday night to pray. And it was really incredible. It wasn't a huge turnout, but the people that needed to be there were there. And we prayed. And one of the, thing, one of the themes of the evening was this idea of, of praying for those in our life that have either maybe wandered away uh, from the Lord or maybe they're they're disconnected from your family um, and whatever it is and we we were just like Lord we're going to pray come home and then so I want you to think about real quick on this slide come home and I want you to take that blank line I want you to fill in somebody's name fill in somebody's name someone that you know that you said man I would love if they were if they were able to to sit right next to me right where I'm at right now I would love for them to be here. I'd love for them to have this experience, this to, to know and experience the love of the Lord and the love of his people. Man, it would be so awesome if they would just come home. And I'll tell you, as a parent, I've, I've prayed this prayer. Literally, I've prayed this prayer for my own kids or for other people in my life, that they would just come home. And then, then there was this idea of, like, as we pray, like, the prayers go up and they go into this this. This bowl in heaven, and then they get, once it gets just right, it gets tipped over and the prayer gets answered, and it's a beautiful picture. So, so I want to encourage you don't give up in praying this prayer for the people in your life to come home. Does, anybody, does everybody have a person in their mind? Somebody think, man, it'd be so awesome if they would just come home. Well, I want to tell you how incredible prayer is, how powerful it is. And so just a few weeks ago, we started putting on the prayer chain. If you're on the prayer chain, some of you might have saw a prayer request. There was a lady in our church that needed a vehicle. They needed a vehicle. Well, just yesterday, I got a text message from a family in our community that said, hey, do you happen to know anybody that needs a vehicle? Hmm. Yes, I do. And by the end of this week, this person that we prayed for will have her own transportation and she'll be able to get herself back and forth to work. Man, that's worth clapping for, y'all. That's awesome. And some of you are like, oh, man, thank goodness, because I felt like the Lord was tugging on me to give my car. Now I'm glad I don't have to now. Well, don't. Keep praying. (laughs) Keep watching. So we're going to be talking about the commands. We're going to go to the, the next slide. And uh, we're going to discuss this idea of just obey Jesus. And so we started out with repent and believe. That's like the first step. And you, you repent and believe, and you get baptized. And yes, last week, the baptism's powerful, so incredible. The baptisms were amazing. And then uh, you get baptized, and you, then you come to the table, and we observe the Lord's Supper together. And then we then We learn to pray. We learn to pray. And now we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about love. And love is the the fifth command. And so so far it seems like the um, the commands have been have been a little bit more vertical just between you and God. You know, you you have to repent and believe on your own and believe in who Jesus is and then you you get baptized. Now you impact others with your baptism because other people see it, but it's really between you and the Lord. And then you come to the table, you're with other people, but it's you remembering what Christ has done for you when you go to, to receive Lord's Supper. And then prayer is obviously a connection with you and the Lord, but it also does have impact on others, because we saw the example when we pray. Prayers get answered and people get needs met. But this this command of love, it, it, um, it kind of starts to change things just a little bit, where we begin to, to we're impacted by his love and then we figure out ways that we can then turn around and love others to show others what God has done for us. And so this love is, um, so I want you to think about the word, go to the next slide, the word love is, uh, is obviously a powerful word and we use it, probably overuse it in some ways when we talk about loving pizza and things like that. But, but love is, is all throughout the Bible. It is like the, this word, is full. you're all in trouble because I brought my big Bible today. And I'm just saying, you're just in trouble. And besides, I can read it a lot easier with my, my eyes as I'm getting older. But love is all throughout Scripture. And so when we're looking at love, it's now it's time for us to receive what it is God has done for us. And now the command is, is to figure out how we can then love other people. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to walk through that um, on the next slide. So there's two stories, two stories we're going to look at. So, get in, so you have it up there on the, the, on the screen so you can look at it yourself. Genesis chapter 22, we'll start there. And then we'll look at Luke chapter 10. These are very familiar stories, so if you've been in church, any at all, you've heard these stories before. The first one is, is about when Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. And the other one is the, the Good Samaritan story, Okay. All right, so you, if you've been to church at all, you've heard these stories before, all right? And so um, you've already got kind of a framework in your mind about what, what those stories are about, and maybe you've heard some sermons before about it, and so you've already got some. You might maybe you even have some notes in your Bible. Does anybody have any notes in their Bible from where you've heard the story preached before? Maybe some things underlined? Oh, yeah, hopefully you have. That's the reason why it's so good to bring your own copy of Scripture so that you can then write in, you know, underline Scripture, maybe a thought that comes out, or you can, um, if it's an impactful uh, word for you today, you can then write the date. Uh, I love that I found my, uh, my father in law's Bible after he passed away. And I was going through it and I found a date in my initials where he was there the Sunday I preached a particular message. It was pretty cool. I think that he was, he was there that day, and he was listening to the word, and he, he was impacted by it. And so, some of you, this is very old news, but for others, this is maybe new to you. But when we think about love, we think about the vertical and the horizontal part of love. And so, the vertical is your love for the Father, right, and his love for you. And so let's, let's pretend like we could take the horizontal piece off for now and just set it over there. The, this vertical piece really needs to be firmly planted. It needs to be solid. Your understanding of how God loves you and, um, and the way that he wants you to love him is, is crucial because, because ultimately you really can't love other people horizontally until you've really learned to love him first. Until you've really learned to be loved by him first. Does that make sense? Good? Y'all shaking, shaking your heads, you're down, you're down with that? So that's one of the reasons why when I think about the cross and look at the cross, it makes me think about, man, my love for him and his love for me. And then, because, you know, listen, I'll tell you, um, I love Mr. Miller, but I really can't love Mr. Miller well unless I'm grounded in God's love first. Because Mr. Miller's a human, and I am too. And for some reason, we might have a day where we don't agree with one another or whatever. We might miscommunicate or something like that. And then i got to remember, hey, wait a minute. God first loved him, and God first loved me, and therefore I'm supposed to love. I mean, that's all throughout the Bible. Like, that's, that's pretty fundamental. Like, that's not anything earth-shattering for you today. You're like, oh, wow, learn something new. No, you should already know that. That's just pretty straightforward. And so we like to try to keep it, keep it simple and keep it real, something that you can apply to your life. So Genesis chapter 22, this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. And the reason why this story um, kind of piqued my interest is because I Googled, said, when was when's the first time the word love appears in Scripture? Now, in the, the, what I found in, in my search was that it was in Genesis 22, verse 2, where it says, um, take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And so that was interesting that that was the first time the word love appeared. Now, maybe in this particular, this is the Christian Standard Bible, so maybe in this, the CSB, that's the first time. Maybe in a different translation, maybe it's somewhere else. But this is the first time that I found that it actually says the word love. Now, this isn't the first time we see the word love, right? Because love is action, right? Right, like, you know, if you have someone significant in your life um, and Valentine's Day is an important day, you might want it to actually not just say that you love them. You might want to show them that you love them. This is not a commercial for materialism. You know, you can show people you love them in multiple ways. It doesn't have to have anything to do with buying them anything, right? You can just show them that you love them with actions. Love, love needs to be expressed in word and in deed. It has to be both. It needs to be both. So, leading up to this, we see, we see love, I believe, um, from, from the beginning, from creation. In the beginning, God. And I think it was because of love that he created you. Did you know that? Like, God loves you. And he created you for love. He created, he created you to be in an intimate, personal um, relationship with you. Yeah, it's true, that's why you are here. Look at the person next to you and say, "That's why you're here." Tell them, tell them. Yeah, you're here. That's why you're here. You know, no, I, man, last week I was here for the pancakes, but no, no, you're here. You're here. You're here because of love. And I think when God created all the animals, He created them for our pleasure, and and He created and. And then, of course, after the flood, he created him for our dinner, you know. So, because he loves us. You know, even in, even in the flood, which we're in youth group right now, we're going through the, the study of Genesis. It's kind of it's it's deep, but it's fascinating. You know that even in the flood, there is love. I mean, obviously, he loved Noah and his family. He saw good in them, and he spared their life. He spared mankind. He spared you and me. For if it wasn't for them... <laughs> Left behind, there wouldn't be any of you and me. And I think there was love even in his discipline of the people and of the planet because he was like, I'm done with these people. They're wicked. God disciplines those he loves. Parents, do you discipline your kids? Man, if you don't, if you haven't started yet and they're like in middle school, it's over for you. Good luck. <laughs> don't send them to the youth pastor or the pastor to fix them. <laughs> you know, like You need to discipline your kids because you love them. Now, you can't imagine, sweet, precious little Reagan, someday she's going to need to be disciplined. She's got a big sister. They already know all about that. (laughs) You know, so there's discipline. There's love in that. And then we see love in this, this covenant that God starts with Abraham, and he says that you will have many descendants, and that through you, the rest of the earth will be blessed. And you know what? That's love because that's me and you. We have been blessed because of what God was doing in Abraham at this particular time. But then then God takes Abraham's faith and he tests it. It's probably as deep as it could possibly be tested. And look what it says in chapter 22 of Genesis. It says, After these things, after God had established his covenant with Abraham... He tested Abraham and he said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And God said, take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac. All right, and if you, if you want to know, there is a correlation here between this man and his love for his only son and a father in heaven and a love for his only son. And if for God so loved the world, right? You know where that's going? It's a beautiful picture. It says, take your son whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and ran the other direction. See, that's what we would do, right? I mean, just like Jonah, like, "Uh, no, thank you. Not headed that way. I'm going the other way. But it said that Abraham took him with him, two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place of God that the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And Then Abraham said to, to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. You know Deep down aside, Abraham was believing, like, Lord, I know you're testing me, and you want to see how much faith I have and how much I really love you, but surely you're not going to ask me to do this, so I'm just going to speak this out. Like, we'll come back. Abraham took the wood, says, for the burnt offering, and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. And then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, here I am, son. Isaac said, "The fire and the wood are here, but huge one. <laughs> where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I mean, Isaac knew how this thing worked. An animal had to pay the price. And Abraham answered, "God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son." Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac, placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, if you've never heard this story before, you're like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is crazy. Like, I thought God was supposed to be this loving father, and he's asking this man to do this. And here's Abraham just just obeying God. (laughs) He's just walking in obedience. And it says, Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him, to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. And then he said, do not lay a hand on your boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, and it says, and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. For today it is said he will it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration because you have done this thing. And if not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled there. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. This is an example of vertical love. Vertical love by this man, Abraham, who was willing to just obey. And, and the reason why I want to share this story with you is because that when, when we love like that, when we love him first, Oh, the blessings that come, the blessings that come with that kind of love. Like, there is just, like, it's almost as if, and, you know, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use this kind of as a springboard um, as we get into next week, too, when we talk about giving, which, by the way, if the crowd is really light next week, I'll know why, and I will come find you, all right? <laughs> I will knock on your door. So we're going to talk about giving, but it's all about this, this principle of like when you're willing to love like that, be prepared for the blessing that's going to come. Seriously, when you say, I'm willing to love the Lord that deeply and that desperately, you stand back because he will pour out his favor upon you. And he was testing Abraham to see, do you fear me? Do you love me like that? You say you love me, but now I want you to show me you love me. Love is expressed in words and in deed, it's action. Now, I promise you, well, no, I'm not gonna promise you. My guess is, is you'll never be asked to sacrifice one of your children exactly like that. Though some of you have wanted to at one particular point in time. Just ask me, Lord, I'm willing, I'll do it. God told me. <laughs> Where's the rope? <laughs> But he hasn't asked you to do that. But I promise you that this, for sure, that there are other things in your life that he's asking you to bind and to kill and to get rid of because they're getting in the way of you really, truly loving the Lord the way he's called you to love the Lord. So that's the vertical vertical love. Now let's look at an example out of Scripture of the horizontal love. Luke chapter 10. So... Way over in your Bible. Luke chapter 10, where in verse 25, he tells the story, this parable of the good Samaritan. Verse 25, starting there, it says... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Little did he know what he was getting himself into. (laughs) Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question, isn't it? Like, ultimately, all of us want to know man, how can I know that I know that when I die, like, there's more to this life than just this life. That I'm going to be in heaven. How can I know? He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he answered him. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. He told him, do this, and you will live. Like, Yeah, if you want to experience life to the fullest, then you know what? Make it about him and make it about others. Don't make it about you. Like, that's how you really experience life. Matter of fact, on TV this week, Dr. Oz says, if you want to relieve stress in your life, start serving and giving to others. Like, Dr. Oz says that. Then it's true, right? It's got to be real. It's got to be true. It says, you've answered correctly. He told him, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, Okay, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus took up the question and said, and he told him the story. You guys are familiar with the story. He says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, beat him up, and then they fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why? Why? Because you know what? Sometimes loving others is hard. And it's messy. And it costs you something like time and energy. Some of the things that we may not have enough of. And this is a priest. You would think surely this guy would be the one, right? It says in the same way a Levite, when he arrived, this is a, one that was given uh, the command to, to lead worship, to be a worshiper in the, in the temple. It says, when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why? Because loving people is hard. (laughs) And it's messy. It's not convenient. It's never when you have time. It's only when they need it. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Should I take the phone call or not? Or should I follow through with this or not? I don't know. Like, are you with me? If you have not experienced that yet, you're not loving enough. You gotta jump in. You gotta jump and get in on that some. You say, look, I got my kids, they always have their hand out. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know. I'm, I'm dogging kids pretty good, but you know what? I've lived through it, all right? Lived through it. But it says, a Samaritan who was not a someone who people just kind of look down upon in this society, on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man. He had compassion and he went over to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and, and, uh, and wine. And when he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved To be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. And this is what the teacher, the expert, answered. He said, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. And you will live. You will experience great light. Which one of those men do you think, at the end of the day, felt the presence and the love of God? I would venture to say it was the man, the Samaritan, because he actually did it. He expressed it in word and deed. All right, next slide. All right, well, cruising through here. Love is a decision, Right? Love is a choice. Love is a verb. It has actions connected to it. But it's a choice that you make when you don't feel like it. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just being real. You just know what I'm talking about. I don't feel like it today, but I love you and I will choose to love you. I will choose to bless you today. And it's the same thing when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to one another. Love is a decision. Next slide. Love has, the reason I have to say next slide is because we, we, we didn't get the thing set up right and I'm not able to use my little clicker, so we'll just do it this way, the old-fashioned way. It's better than the, um, remember they used to have the overhead projectors and you have to like put the little screen on there? You had to like, move it, it was crooked. It just, all the OCD, OCD people in the crowd got crazy because it was not right and it wasn't straight. Yeah, luckily we don't have to do that anymore. Love has set us free to do what? To love. That's what the freedom that we are given to do um, sets us free to do. So that's in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it's it's Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and he tells them to do the same for one another so that when you love each other this way, the rest of the world will know that you belong to me. That's how the church advertises how good it is to know the Lord and know each other and to love one another is the way we treat one another it's a big responsibility and then i want to finish with this look at first corinthians chapter 13 you don't have to turn there if you, if you don't want to but you can but i'm going to share just leave that slide up then i'm going to i'm going to share i'm going to share this passage of scripture from the message translation of the bible okay because i because i love the wording and i think it'll make more sense to for some of you, because some of you have heard this passage before because you've been to a wedding. Well, you know what? This passage of Scripture was really not written for weddings. It was written for church. It was written for the body of Christ to learn how to love each other well. Okay? All right. So we're gonna, I'm going to read this to you, and this is going to be kind of like the, uh, the icing on top of the love cake that we've had today. The Way of love, this is the, the title, the Way of love. And so if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's Word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain jump and it jumps, but I don't love, then I'm nothing then I'm nothing. As your pastor, if I can stand up here and, and, uh, and produce like, the best sermon I possibly could ever come up with and I say all kinds of incredible words and there's power in those words and you're like, amaze- oh my God, Brady's word- message today was amazing. But if I walk off the stage and don't love you, then I'm nothing. My words mean Nothing. And it's the same way we walk into church, and if we say that, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Jesus, but we walk out and we, we're bitter and angry and hateful to one another, then we're nothing. You should say, oh, my, because it's just reality. I cannot tell you, even just, I can't even tell you the number of times I hear conversations of people who said, I don't come to church because people are just treat each other terrible there. Somebody posted on Facebook yesterday about when uh, they were talking about sometimes when they come into church they get anxiety because are people going to treat me? Are they going to love me? Are they going to be kind to me because they've had a bad experience or whatever? And you know what? One of this, this lady's friends told her, well, that's why I gave up on God so I don't have to deal with that anymore. And that's why I became an atheist. I'm like, good luck with that. But the reality is, and it's, it's no... There's no way for her to justify that decision, but the reality is, is she probably was mistreated by some of the people that should have treated her with love in the first place. And you know, that's the crazy thing about the story of the Good Samaritan. Like why the, the priest who's like the pastor, of all people, he should have stopped and loved. I promise you, you will not outlove me. I promise you, you won't. I will keep loving you. You can try. It's a contest. <laughs> but you will not outlove me. And that's because that's the example I'm supposed to set. Because that's who my Jesus is. Really, that's who my Jesus is. That's how he loves. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr. But I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And here's here's, here's this love that it's describing here. Love never gives up. It cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. By the way, if you don't want me to love you, that's okay. I'll give my love to somebody else. It says it doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't reveal when others grovel or revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That's love. Love never dies. Inspired speech will come, will be over someday. Like sermons like this will be over someday. We won't need them anymore. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. It says we know only a portion of the truth right now, right? And what we say about God is always incomplete. Because I don't know all, all there is to know about him. I haven't comprehended fully the vertical love that he has for me and that I'm supposed to have for him, but I'm striving for that each and every day. It says, we know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is also always incomplete. I guess I already said that. But when the complete arrives, and I love this, the complete arrives, the complete is capitalized, That I believe what it's talking about, but when Jesus arrives, our incompletes will be canceled out. Isn't that good news? Do you have some incompletes in your life? You do. I do. And a lot of times it's relationships. It's it's the stuff that we wish we would have done, but we didn't. All those things will be canceled out when love returns. You should be excited about that. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and I cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. It's like we're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. And we're ready for that, like in the real world. (laughs) We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. Do you know that God knows you and he still loves you? Amen. But for right now, Until that completeness, it says we have three things to lead us towards that consummation. Those three things are this. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Love God with extravagance, ladies and gentlemen. And then love each other the same way. If you do that, life will make a lot more sense. Your problems that you're going through, you'll have a different perspective of them. Doesn't mean you won't go through them. but You'll just see them differently. And then love others. It's a stress reliever to bless others. (laughs) It's an incredible thought. I'm going to pray and the worship team's going to come. And so maybe this morning you say, you know, Brady, I've got to go back to the beginning. I've never repented and believed in who Jesus is. I haven't been baptized. I, maybe I've received the Lord's Supper, but just because that's a tradition that I've been a part of or I've never really learned to pray, maybe I'm just really struggling what it means to really love. Well, here's my advice to you today. Whatever God's talking to you about, just obey Him. Don't obey man. Don't obey religion or what you think it should be like. Just obey Him. If He's asking you to do it, do it. And when you do that, you will live. You will live. Father, we praise you. We thank you for these stories. We thank you for the truth of your word. You said it best. You wrote your word through through man, by the power of your spirit, and you gave it to us because you love us and you want to guide us and direct us. You want to draw us to yourself. So teach us to love you more. Teach us to love others more. Help us to walk in obedience to you. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. so if you have something you need prayer for today, come forward for prayer. Um, Or stand there and worship the Lord to this beautiful song. It'll be a familiar song for some of you. And then go and love.
0: Thanks again for choosing this podcast from The Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church, Or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com, and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.